Welcome to Pod Save America. I'm John Favreau. I'm John Lovett. I'm Dan Pfeiffer. Tommy Vitor. Gang's all here. Here we are. Big night. Huge night. Donald Trump has won the New Hampshire primary, uh, though his margin over Nikki Haley looks like it'll end up being smaller than the polls suggested, somewhere between 8 and 12 points. We're recording this Tuesday night, so we're still counting some vote. But it was apparently enough for Haley to decide that she's staying in the race. Here's what she said shortly after they called it for Trump. Now you've all heard the chatter among the political class. They're falling all over themselves saying this race is over. Well, I have news for all of them. New Hampshire is first in the nation. It is not the last in the nation. This race is far from over. There are dozens of states left to go. I love the yelling guy. I love, I love that guy. the yelling guy. I love that guy. Go Nikki. I mean, I, I, are we political class? Because this member of the political class does not think it's over. I want her to go stay all the way in. Go to the convention, Nikki. 12 points. That's fucking, that's this, that. Some <laughs> people might say that in any other election on earth, that's a landslide. Not me. Oh, this razor thin margin. All 11 points. the way to Milwaukee. Come what, on, Nikki. I wonder what the last primary is. I'll Google it. Yeah, you Google that. Why do you guys think she decided to stay in? Dan? I don't think she did. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? Wait, hold on a second, Dan. We watched this whole thing. She put it, she, you know, she 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 got dressed up. She went down there. She said, here we go. Okay, I'm going to flash you back to eight days ago. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. We sat in your office eight days ago. We watched Ron DeSantis mm-hmm. give that a speech. That was not a stay in the race speech. <laughs> that was absolutely was a stay in the race. four minutes, no message. <laughs> That was that was pathetic. Look, maybe she, maybe she will stay in the race. Mm. Maybe she will, but I don't think that matters one iota. I find myself rooting so hard for her to stay I, in the race. I, I don't think it. Ma- I don't. Let's. Nikki Haley's not going to win the Republican nomination. Not unless, with that fucking unless, What are we doing here? Unless Predicting? we get the unless we get the hamburger from heaven. <laughs> but I think the longer she's in this race, attacking Donald Trump, pissing him off, absolutely, I'll take it. I mean, maybe she will stay in. The month between New Hampshire and South Carolina is traditionally a death march for Republican politics. George W. Bush and some of the dirtiest politics of that time mm-hmm. seems like, frankly, quaint, nothing now. Very quaint. <laughs> quaint. Yeah. Destroyed John McCain in that period to then essentially lock up that nomination in South Carolina. Nikki Haley is going to be under a brutal assault for a month to go to her home state where she's pulling in the single digits and losing to Trump by about 30 points. In an electorate that is so, and when you talk about how it's so unfavorable to her, maybe she will want to do go through that humiliating process. I would be surprised. What has she got to lose? Well, I think the big question is how much money she can raise yeah. in the next 24, 48 hours. If she can't raise money, she's got to get out. There's just no two Her campaign it. is billionaire dependent. She has no grassroots fundraising base. And there's this fund, these billionaires are holding this fundraiser for her in a week. And we'll see if they're still holding it a few days from now. Apparently, she's going to campaign in the Virgin Islands tomorrow. Tomorrow, yeah. For their February 8th caucus, and there's Nevada. I figured it out. The last primary is the June 4th Montana, New Jersey, New Mexico, and South Dakota primary. So that's how long this could last. June 4th. Oh, please. Tell me, when is the... Can you find the Virginia primary? Damn. That's... uh... Super Sure can, yeah. That is the one primary she has a legitimate chance to win. Well, so they... She... Their argument, the Haley team, they put out a memo this morning sort of signaling that they were not going, she was not going to drop out. 
Uh, if it was the 20 or 30 point blowout that the poll suggested, maybe that wouldn't have been uh, an operative memo. But their argument is basically, so we got South Carolina, our home state is on February 24th. And uh, Democrats can also vote. Anyone can vote in that primary. Uh, if Unless you're a Democrat that votes in the February 3rd primary, the Democratic primary uh, for Joe Biden, then obviously you can't vote again. <laughs> but if you don't vote in that, you can vote. So that's an open primary in South Carolina. And then they go to Michigan. Michigan is open. And then D.C., good good district for her. Then the caucuses in Idaho and North Dakota. And then Super Tuesday on March 5th. And 11 of the 16 states on Super Tuesday have open or semi-open primaries. That is true, but it's far less important than the fact that the Trump team has completely rigged the rules so that now he, if he gets 51% of the vote in some of these states, he will take all the delegates including states like California. It is true that some of these states have open primaries, but none of them have open primaries with the tradition of independent participation like New Hampshire. Half of the voters in this election were either independents or Democrats who re-registered as independents to participate in this process, right? It almost yeah. sounds like independents and Democrats infiltrated to, to take a, a clean victory <laughs> away from Donald Trump. Who to managed to stop the steal. Yeah, it, it does. It does seem as though like if your uh, whole if your campaign memo is about how don't worry, the Republican primary has lots of opportunities for people who aren't Republicans to vote. You do have a, a, a deeper problem that can't be overcome by well, the calendar. That would be the memo written by the campaign that lost Republicans by 50 points in this election tonight. So you yeah, would she say didn't, she, so, didn't, she didn't do so well with Republican voters. Yeah, she's running for the Republican primary. primary. Like at some point, right, presumably she has to. So at some point, just to win Republicans, to win the Republican primary, that would be sort of. A, I, I don't know. I'm not. This listen, is, this is I'm, what you guys pay the big bucks I'm for. A, yeah, like I'm a speechwriter. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not content. a data guy. I'm not a data. I was more more poetry than pose. But, but I, I have to say, just I also was a math person, and I do think at some point, just to win Republicans. Mm. I'm I, I'm just trying to get inside their the campaigns her head the campaigns. I think what they might be thinking is. Um, as Tommy said, Trump has rigged the rules, so a lot of these are like either winner take all or you hit a 50% threshold in the primary and then you take all the delegates. But maybe she's thinking, if I can just keep picking up a few delegates here and there and then uh, March 5th comes along or whenever Trump is is tried in D.C., then... Trump is convicted. Suddenly the polls start shifting. We go to the convention. She's the only other one with delegates, except I guess Ronnie D has a couple from uh, like from six Iowa. Or something, He's got six from Iowa. No one else is going to get delegates except Trump and and maybe her now. So maybe she thinks then you know who knows what might happen. Right, I mean, but it's all crazy. But I'm I'm thinking that's what must be going through their heads. I think what's going through their heads is everyone gets up in a campaign and they care passionately about it and. She, they can't make the decision to drop out between when the votes are counted and when she speaks. Yes. So they do this, and then this is exactly what happened with DeSantis. Then over the course of time, the checks stop coming in. So I'm going to lay staff off. People start your your endorsers start calling and saying, you know what? How many how many does she have? Like Sununu. He's just like stuck to her. Sununu and Ralph Norman. Yeah, not even. I guess that's right. They start calling and saying. You know, I'm kind of thinking, or the the billionaires who are funding this thing say, it's time to get on board with Trump, and then you drop out. Like, this is the process they all go through. Yeah, I think that that would help explain why she spoke so early. It's like, you know what, let's just go out there, get it over with, give the speech we need to give for tonight, get to tomorrow, do some thinking, spend time with your family, and then really decide. I also think 
they must have seen the numbers and said, your lead is never, never gonna his, get Trump's lead is never going to get yeah. uh, smaller than it is right now. Get out there before there's a one in front of that number. Yeah. That's right. The Trump speech, noticed that too. Yeah. 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 <laughs> He's furious. We'll get to it. <laughs> the speech hit different when she was down seven, I suppose now when yeah. she's down 14 or whatever right. it is at this moment. I think she's going to stay in all the way to South Carolina. I'm pulling for her. I, look, look, it's my, I hope, it's my I wish cap. It's total wish cap. Yeah. What we I, want and what we think will again, happen again, unfortunately different. We all light a candle to St. Isidore of content. But I look, I want her to stay in too. I think, I think Dan, look, obviously you're making the right, like that's the most sensible, obvious path. But hey, we got to put something before the Helix mattress ads. And I feel like- <laughs> I, feel I, like I just also think something. that, I also think people on, cam like you said, people on campaigns and people when you're in it, you don't make sensible decisions. Like I don't, I just don't. Well, every campaign manager has to go tell their boss to drop out is saying, lay me off, right? That's not a message people deliver that easily. Yeah, and, we'll and all these other people who've been in the trench with us for a year now, we're all going to become unemployed. And if you and are- And possibly one... unemployable in Trump's <laughs> well, Republican that's Party. A, all, if you are someone who is spending a ton of money if you would put money behind Nikki Haley, you're you are a person who has deluded yourself into believing that at some point the Republican Party is going to come to its senses. That is like the core that is that is core to your being that you believe that something is going to shift, the fever is going to break. A year ago it wasn't true. What's to say these people won't keep believing that for another 3 or 4 months? You know that like the, the also, trials are coming. She's also she's just she's bored. She likes running for president. She's, you know, she's getting some attention. Uh, she likes it now in New Hampshire where 48% of the voters are independent Democrats. I don't know yeah. where she's going to feel. Sorry, no, people wonder if she can't fill a uh, fill up event in South Carolina. I mean, just one proof point. I mean, one of her big donors was the CEO of Home Depot, uh, Ken Langone, I think is his name. He said that his uh, financial support for Haley would be contingent on New Hampshire results. Yeah. So you're going to have guys like that deciding whether they're going to light 10 million more on fire and give it to a super PAC or not. And I think that's going to, Make the decision for her. Yeah, I believe it's. I believe he said at some point you stop throwing money down a rat hole. Yeah, uh, which begs the question: Why you ever start throwing money down a rat right. hole? Right. Yeah. And what's a rat hole? Yeah, and these guys also know um, that the longer they wait, the longer they support Nikki Haley, the more expensive it's going to be to get back in Trump's good graces. Yeah. Mm, yeah. yeah. I will say, it's her home state. She can run a pretty lean campaign in South Carolina. She well, doesn't have to go anywhere. You know, she makes a point <laughs> She's in that. Down. In her got um, fifty. In her victory speech, she's given two victory speeches and she hasn't won a thing. It's amazing. <laughs> Tell, this is what Incredible. I'm saying. I love it's it. Not, I love it. <laughs> we're acting like this is on the level and she's going to be like, oh, look at my, look at hey, the data. John, John <laughs> I, I'm on your side of this fucking table. But, but, but she, in her speech, she makes this point like, you, you know, I'm from, she speaks, she's really, we were talking about this before the, the pod that like, she really is just like, she's, she is just a quintessential politician she's very she's good at it but she's such a quintessential politician but she gets up there and she says now they can't come down to south carolina and lie about me or whatever they can say about me because sure, sure they can they well but also she's like they know me in south carolina south carolina is my home state where you're polling at six percent that you know the the argument yeah, goes uh, both ways tough. if they know you they've already decided on you right like what what story can you tell a south carolina voter to convince them from go to go from donald trump to Nikki Haley when you were the yeah. governor for eight years. She's gonna, she's gonna wake up tomorrow and figure out. Uh, and, right. and, and you know what? <laughs> and she can do it. <laughs> and Nikki, I believe you can do it. So Trump was none too happy about uh, Haley's decision to stay in the race. Gone was the low energy, somewhat gracious Trump we saw during his Iowa victory speech. Thank God. Instead, we got our guy back. <laughs> I can go up and I can say to everybody, oh, thank you for the victory. It's wonderful. It's what, or I can go up and say, who the hell was the imposter that went up on the stage before 
and like claimed a victory. She did very poorly, actually. We won in 2016. And if you really remember, and if you want to play it straight, we also won in 2020. <laughs> by more. Ron beat her also. You know, Ron came in second and he left. She came in third and she's still hanging around. And just a little note to Nikki. She's not going to win. She's not going to win. But if she did, she would be under investigation by those people in 15 minutes. And I could tell you five reasons why already. Not big reasons. A little stuff that she doesn't want to talk about. But she will be under investigation within minutes. And so would Ron have been. But he decided to get out. He decided to get out. Now, Vivek, I don't think would be at all because he's perfect, right? I find in life, you can't let people get away with bullshit, okay? You can't. You just can't do that. And when I watched her in the fancy dress that probably wasn't so fancy come up, I said, what's she doing? We won. Just classic. I, classic I just, Trump. Can we Terrible. just talk about one, before we get to all of it, can we just talk about one piece of it, which is, did he forget that Ron DeSantis endorsed him one second? He just got mad and kept going? Or is it, what's going on there? He, he was supposed to be nice to Ron. Ron's emotionally on that stage with him now. Did he forget? There are some legislators in Florida who are trying to pass a bill to give Donald Trump $5 million in taxpayer money to pay for his legal bills. <laughs> and Ron DeSantis declared on Twitter that he would veto that bill. And yeah. that was that. He also gave his, in his first interview, I think with Steve Deese, he um, said that Trump's got a real problem with swing voters and he's gonna have to fix it like he kind of went after trump today in his interview they don't like each other yeah i, I think it's i don't know if he forgot i think he fucking hates ron DeSantis. he was in he, he was, was in no he was trying to play yeah he was, he was in trying, flow he was yeah, in his flow he was trying to play that like oh i'm gonna be gracious and okay for ron DeSantis. he fucking hates him. ron DeSantis yeah. offers him nothing like tim scott could be a valuable asset in his campaign Right. Nikki Haley would actually, I don't think he's going to take advantage of this, but would be a potential asset in his debate. Ron DeSantis brings nothing to the table. for He needs him for nothing. Uh, especially now that $5 million in taxpayer money is off the table. <laughs> uh, what would you guys think of the speech? What did you guys think of uh, Trump's, big, uh, Trump's big victory speech? He was pissed. I mean, that came through loud and clear. Yeah, he suggested Haley would be investigated. Uh, he also suggested that Governor Sununu is on drugs. Yeah, he did. You guys catch he's gotta that be part? On, he's got to be on something. Said this he guy said. has got to be on something. There was the mocking of the dress, which was just petty dickish stuff. Uh, then he said to Tim Scott, you must really hate her about Nikki Haley because Tim Scott endorsed him. So yeah, it was uh, old school raging Trump. He also, yeah, he led all of his uh, new supplicants uh, give a give a quick little speech. Vivek did a, a, min, a tight, tight. Two minutes, 60 seconds tight the 60 big yeah vivek did a tight 60 and then uh tim scott was clearly not prepared that he was going to be asked uh to say something and he got up there and sort of mumbled through and then when trump said uh you must really hate her he came up and he goes no i just really love you the i just so <laughs> that's your that's your guy most, that's love it scott and you know what what do you think what do you well, think here's what i think here's what i think here's what i think do you want to do you want to live in a world where you don't open up your heart to somebody even if you know there's a chance you might get fucking disappointed? Yes. Am I disappointed that Tim Scott is not just a fucking failed presidential candidate, but a sniveling little fucking worm that Trump is not going to take out of the gimp box to march down to South Carolina? What box? The gimp box. It's from a film called Pulp Fiction. Learn film. Go to cinema. Go to cinema. Tim Scott is out of the gimp box. That's what we're talking okay. about. Okay. Yeah, I'm pissed about it. <laughs> Yeah, it's frustrating to me to have Tim Scott there. And but but just like 
he didn't obviously the Tim Scott thing was humiliating, embarrassing. But even the Vivek thing, he's like, I told Vivek he can speak, but no more than a minute. No more than a minute. Like he's got these so guys on a on a on a leash. Mm. But you know what? I was like, and I, I know MSNBC and CNN after we complained about this, <laughs> they did take Trump's speech tonight. Although then they cut away and they were like, see, this is the problem with taking Trump's speech because he lies so often. And it's like, yeah, there's definitely a lot of lies, crazy lies. They had to fact check it. But I'm happy for all the voters in America to see the Trump that we saw tonight. I, uh, more of it. That's why, why I want Nikki Haley to stay in so badly because Donald Trump talked about this. Dan, you've written a message box about this. Like, he is a strong man. He wants to appear strong. He, he, he made himself appear weak tonight because he was so pissed. Even though he fucking won, he was so pissed at Nikki Haley that he seemed like he was just angry. He was agitated. Like, it was great. It was great. I also, I just, I also, I, I was thinking about this too because- you know, look, we've gone through so many fucking endless conversations around platforming and, what you know, you can't show Trump because it spreads misinformation. But if you don't show Trump, people forget how threatening he is. And I do think like what I was taking away from because I heard you guys talking about it. And I agree. We talked about this before, but that it's like, yes, Trump is a vehicle for spreading misinformation and that can be dangerous. But also the lies that Trump spews, especially the ones that are just like not plausible that most people don't believe, they are a vehicle for exposing Trump, right? Like people, we do, you do need to like, and I, and I don't know what's like, you know, I don't know what the best thing is. I don't think there's an easy decision there, but man, is it better to have people seeing Trump being at his most unhinged and angry and all the rest? I think we might be in a different place politically if Trump had not been essentially exiled from public view on January 7th, 2021. Yeah, because if if he had been rage tweeting about being un, you know improperly persecuted for this and how the election in that moment as opposed to just disappearing for a few months and then being slowly welcomed back in, it'd be a very different world. And for and be, for a whole host of reasons that you've talked about offline, the information environment has changed so much since that time that now people just never see Trump. Yeah, and now the one nights the few nights when they might see him, we're like, don't show him. I think that I just think that because he, ha like he has been rage truthing and also doing these rallies the whole time, but the rallies aren't being covered and that no one sees the truth, really. So and as viewership of cable declines, we're an increasing share of the audience. So we want to see it. So just give, <laughs> give, give the people what they want. <laughs> Two quick housekeeping notes. There's a lot to keep track of in a high stakes election year. Voting deadlines, emergency therapy and maybe also your job or whatever. Uh, that's why Cricket and Vote Save America created a comprehensive 2024 planner. It's filled with important dates and some fun extras to keep you focused, sane, and organized. For the record, we tried to include a few Xanax, but the lawyer said we couldn't. Losers. Head to cricket.com slash store to get your planner now. Also, pre-order our book, Democracy or Else, How to Save America in 10 Easy Steps. It's a fun, useful guide to getting involved while keeping whatever's left of your sanity intact. Plus, Cricket will donate its profits from the book to support Vote Save America and other organizations mobilizing for the 2024 election so you're helping make a difference before you even crack it open. Democracy or Else is available on June 25th, but you can pre-order your copy now at cricket.com books or wherever books are sold. Let's talk about the results in the primary. Uh, you guys see anything notable in the results or the exits or anything that might tell us something about the general election? We talked about in Iowa how Trump's 
win there might have showed some weakness since it wasn't a commanding win. Obviously, this was even less of a uh, big win in New Hampshire. What do you guys think, Tommy? I thought it was interesting that Trump did best among the 18 to 29-year-old cohort. Did he, really? he got 61% versus 52 or 53% of the older voters. That was interesting and I think does say something about his super fans and the people who like him. Or And also it says something about the the self-selecting sample of young Republican voters too. Yeah. That they're the more radical, they're the sort of the TP USA types. Also, he, the, the most important issues were the economy, 36%, immigration, 31%. Trump mopped up with immigration voters. 77% of the, that cohort went for him. No surprise there, but it does tell you what issues are really driving this primary and then the general election for Republicans. I think you can sum up the how Trump won by these numbers is Haley won moderates by 50 points and Trump won conservatives by 42 points, mm. but conservatives made up two thirds of the electorate and moderates one third. Do you think that portends anything for the general election? I mean, I thought if, if you're going to look for numbers that might say that Trump is a weaker candidate, they again asked in the exits, is Trump fit to be president if he's convicted? 52% said yes, 44% said no your feelings if Trump wins the nomination. Again, this is just the Republican primary. 59% said satisfied, 40% said dissatisfied. So for someone who's running as basically an incumbent, you know, probably not the numbers you want. There are many, many flaws in our presidential nomination process. One may be the fact that Trump is going to receive about 200,000 votes and basically be the nominee by tomorrow mm. in a country, we're a country with 80 million Republicans. Yeah, but, that's something more about the Republican Party. But one thing where the New Hampshire primary is useful for at least projecting forward for the general election is you do get a pretty significant sample of prototypical swing voters participating in this, right? Mm-hmm. It is suburban, college-educated, moderate. The largest group of voters in the state by far are undeclared voters. And those are the exact voters that Trump lost ground with from 2016 to 2020. Those those voters are overrepresented in some of the states he lost, like Pennsylvania, Georgia, and Arizona. And if he is going to win, and we talk all the time about all the things Biden has to do, Trump has to do better with college-educated suburban voters. And nothing that happened tonight suggests that he is doing not even better, anywhere near as well as he did in 2020. He, there, that is a big flashing light with a segment of voters that he has to improve with, and there is no evidence he has done so. Yeah, and we don't know if any of these Haley voters, we don't know how many of them are going to, if Trump's the nominee, vote for Trump or vote for Biden or not vote for either of them. But certainly it doesn't show a lot of strength. Yeah, I feel like there's two things that I took from this. One is actually just how strong and dangerous a general election candidate Nikki Haley would be. That's one. But two, Trump, in his you know rambling, <laughs> infuriated speech, he he... He didn't want to say it exactly like, don't worry. Yeah, sure, Nikki Haley's doing better against Biden than I am, but anybody can beat Joe Biden. But he basically got there. And, you know, Nikki Haley is making like, it's like a vaguely sophisticated point about how Trump cost people the House and cost people the Senate. Like, it's a coattails thing. But Republicans want to win. And he made a point of saying, hey, don't worry, we got this thing. You nominate me, we're going to win. And he's clearly like, there is an argument that Nikki Haley is making that he's not uh, totally unconcerned by, right? Like, he is responding to it and making a point that's like, oh, Joe Biden is so frail and weak. Don't you worry about that. I'm going to beat Joe Biden, Nikki Haley. Any of us could beat Joe Biden. Don't, that's not, that that's not important. Yeah. That's not important. It's also notable that they asked in the exits, would you favor or oppose a federal law banning most or all abortions nationwide? And only 27% of voters favor banning most or all abortions nationwide. So a couple, yeah. one 
one concerning point in that number is mm-hmm. that Trump only lost the people who opposed a nationwide bro- ba- ban by 10%. 55, 44. Yep. And then, but here's one other thing on the electability number. Yes, I do think it gets under Trump's skin because down deep in his very dark soul, he knows he lost the 2020 election and that haunts him. But only 15% of voters in the exit poll listed defeating Joe Biden as their top quality, the quality they cared most about in a candidate. Yeah. And Trump won those voters overwhelmingly. Yeah. So there is, this is Nikki Haley's argument. There is zero audience for that argument oh, in yeah. New Hampshire. And nationally, we talked about this the other day, is that they asked Republicans in this YouGov poll, who do you think is going to, regardless of who you support, who do you think is going to win? 84% of Republicans think that Donald Trump's going to win the election. But then th- what's Tells strange- Tells everything about why he's walking away with it. Yeah, yeah. but it, it, there is this sort of like, you know, voters aren't good at telling you how they're going to feel about something in the future, I think. And that could be a double-edged sword. But we are in this strange scenario where a bunch of Republicans voted for Donald Trump today and also told a pollster that if he's convicted of a crime, he's unfit and they won't vote for him again. And he is on track, you know, to our minds to be convicted, hopefully before the election, but we don't know. And so it's like- We don't know. We we know they think he wouldn't be fit, but we don't know if they wouldn't vote for him because <laughs> they right. didn't ask, would you vote for him? Which they did ask in, they in CNN's poll, right? Well, no, they in asked, the, no, they asked in the Des Moines Register poll. The Des Moines poll. poll. Yeah, but even, and I didn't look at it in the New Hampshire poll, um, and I got just got a text from Reed that said, who we work with, who said, organic polar coaster pitch, which I think means right now I'm supposed to mention that we're going to dig deeper into these exit poll numbers in the episode of Polar Coaster that's coming out wow. in two days. Amazing. Wow, yeah, That's how the magic look happens. At that. <laughs> I felt like it was right there, part of the conversation. Um, All right. Well, let's talk about the Democratic primary uh, in New Hampshire. There was one. uh, And Joe Biden won it despite not appearing on the ballot. Again, he did not appear on the ballot since Biden and the DNC decided that South Carolina will be the Democrats first primary. New Hampshire went ahead with their primary anyway. So they are not going to have any delegates at stake. So Joe Biden didn't go on the ballot. Dean Phillips and Marianne Williamson did. The Biden allies in New Hampshire, Biden supporters in New Hampshire did not want Joe Biden to be embarrassed. So they organized a write-in campaign, and boy, did it work. Uh, So he won over, so far right now, he's got over 70% of the votes, uh, the write-in votes. We'll find out the final number when everything's counted and they read all the write-in votes. Dean Phillips only won around 20%, and uh, Marion Williamson took 4%. Uh, (laughs) What do you guys think? The Mercury's in retrograde. I kind of think that Biden... Look, they were hoping to avoid embarrassment, but I think they also demonstrated some enthusiasm. I don't think it's easy to organize a write-in campaign. And like, if you're a Democratic primary voter and you know there's not much of a primary, to, to get up, walk out of your house, go to the polls, write in Joe Biden's name, that, that tells you something. Yeah, I think it, it definitely demonstrates some enthusiasm, but I think demonstrates even more is organization. And for all of the Democratic complaining and worrying and everything about the state of the Biden campaign, whether Biden can win. One thing that the Biden campaign has been very, very good at from the very beginning, right? Going back to the primary when they out, when they overperformed in the Nevada caucuses is organization. And so this is something that I think that they, I, that they would be very good at helping engineer is something like this. Yeah. Dean Phillips and Dean Phillips affiliated super PAC spent $5 million in New Hampshire for his 20%. Uh, here's what he said tonight about his loss. What I'm saying is this. I don't know what my name recognition is. It was zero just 10 weeks ago. I would imagine in this country right now, it's probably five to 10% tops. I was a brand builder before this in the private sector. It takes recognition of a name or a brand in order to actually test it. I need some months to do that. And so basically he said he's going to take a few more months. And once polls start testing Dean Phillips against Donald Trump, he's going to look at those numbers and then he's going to make a decision. 
This is just a whole race. It's a whole campaign based on polls. <laughs> what a waste of time. He got in because of polls. He's going to get out because of polls. He's going to stay in because of polls. Whatever the polls say, that's what Dean Phillips is doing with his life. I'm going to suggest that perhaps Dean Phillips' strategy to campaign in a state relentlessly, to move to this, a state where the president where was not on the- summer, Where he did go to summer camp. He did go to summer camp. Where he, he discovered it. That's where he discovered his passion for America mm-hmm. and public service mm-hmm. at summer camp, as one does. Yep. To go to base- the entirety of his campaign and this $10 million, whatever spending in a state with no delegates was not the right choice. Yeah. I, I will also say too, like we, we have worried a lot about Joe Biden as the nominee. Like is, is what if another Democrat challenge him? Another Democrat challenges him in New Hampshire and uh, Joe Biden's not even on the ballot. And the Democratic voters in New Hampshire went out and said, no, I don't want Dean Phillips. I want Joe Biden. They had the alternative. They saw his ads, spent $5 million in the state. And they just, you know, that's that's part of the reason this primary has turned out the way it is, because Democratic voters, when they get the chance, they wanted to vote for Joe Biden. Yeah. The, yeah. I don't know. It's like I, I, I do think like, oh, you know, you know, we look back on this moment. If a year from now and Donald Trump has won, we look back in this moment, I want to make sure that like, you know, were we too cavalier about this specific challenger? And I actually think the answer is is no. Like there are legitimate and very real concerns about Joe Biden's ability to get reelected. And the issues that for that made Dean Phillips so anxious about the polls to get in are not uh are not invalid. Like they are very real concerns that I think we all share. It's just this wasn't the candidate and uh there was no amount of, I think. He also just did a terrible yeah. job. He, like, if you if you really had these concerns, you had to get in a year earlier. You had to actually run hard. You had to know when deadlines, like getting on the ballots in various states, occurred. And instead, he waited too long. He fucked it up. He hired all the wrong people. And now he's just left with this sort of embittered message where he's complaining about the DNC and the process and trying to whine his way to the White House. And it's just, it's not going to work. The not less, easy running hurting. for president. It's not, <laughs> right. not helping. And perhaps you should not decide to run for president because you get a DM on Twitter from Steve Schmidt, that, which is how this happened. Yeah. yeah. Good advice, Dan. So speaking of Biden, uh, he kicked off the general with a campaign event in Virginia on uh, Tuesday focused on abortion rights just a day after the 51st anniversary of Roe v. Wade. Uh, he was joined on stage by Vice President Kamala Harris, First Lady Jill Biden and Second Gentleman Doug Emhoff. Here's a clip of Biden in Virginia. In the United States Congress, extremists are trying to pass a national abortion ban to outlaw abortion in every single state. But what they need to know is that if Congress passes a national abortion ban, President Joe Biden will veto it. Donald Trump is betting we won't, you won't vote on this issue. But guess what? He's betting we won't hold him responsible either for taking away the rights. He's betting you're going to stop caring. By the way, that you'll get distracted and discouraged and stay home. Well, guess what? I'm betting he's wrong. Campaign also released a new ad that features Dr. Austin Dennard, a Texas mother and OBGYN who was forced to travel out of state for an abortion after learning her pregnancy was non-viable and life-threatening. The White House also announced a series of executive actions aimed at protecting reproductive rights. What did you guys think about the event, the ad, the policies? Dan, we were talking about this, I think, on the last pod. Obviously, this was 
them trying to get some attention, especially, uh, you know, counter-programming a New Hampshire primary, do you think they got the attention they were hoping for? I think they got certainly got more. You never get the attention you're hoping for. Right. But I certainly, they certainly got more attention than just, any just, uh, other. Just love it. You're right. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, a, it's a daily grind. <laughs> it's, a campaign of, it's a campaign of inches. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it got it got more attention than your typical White House event, mm. right? It, there was, you know, we don't know what the audience was for television coverage tonight, but it's certainly more than on a typical political night, right? And even on some some of the network stuff where you're going to see those clips, you're going to see that message, you're going to see the Restore Row banner that was behind them. And so, yeah, I think it, it achieves that goal for sure. Yeah. So this is it. This is going to be the longest general election in history. What a remarkable stat. There is an ongoing competitive Republican primary. I don't know what we're doing. Three pods a week. (laughs) (laughs) I know it was time because of the anniversary of Roe v. Wade, but I do think it was telling that as we kick off the general election, they uh, started with the. I mean, he did the The January 6th speech on the anniversary of that. And then he just did a series of events and ads around abortion. Uh, you know, I think that seems to be what they're going to that's going to be the, the, the message, for the, the main message for the campaign. And I'm guessing there'll be an economic component as well soon. Yeah, I think uh, jobs, freedom and democracy. I mean, it seems like the three things. Yeah. Jobs, jobs, freedom and democracy. I mean, that is that's the ultimate question here, right? Is, you know, it's, they've called it jobs and democracy is their strategy. Yeah. And the question is, how much do they have to narrow the gap on the economy to have that strategy work? And we don't know the answer to that. And I think there, that's, it is the source of probably the biggest debate within the Democratic Party right now. The question is whether the larger general election electorate is going to place a higher premium on economic performance and economic approval than the midterm electorate who clearly voted on abortion, freedom, democracy and those issues. And that we don't know and the answer how, to that. And how persuadable right. those voters are. Right. Even though there is... Uh, Technically, still a Republican primary going on. Technically, uh, technically uh, the Biden campaign did put out a statement tonight, basically saying that, like, you know, the general it's is over, here. Yeah. We know Donald Trump's going. Do we think that Biden's going to be out there now all the time? Like, is he going to go campaigning? Is is he going to be freer to campaign? Should he in the next month or so while this is still well, well, Nikki Haley's still doing whatever Nikki Haley's going to do? I think they're they're constantly striking a balance, right? I mean, they're they're doing official events in swing states. I imagine they'll continue to do a lot of those because it saves you money. But I don't know, Dan. You think they're going to do a big ass rally in Michigan soon or something, or really kick this thing off, or do you wait till the post State of the Union? I don't know what they're going to do. I imagine it's going to be a relatively like slow but steady ramp up. Um, and just the, there's so much other stuff going on in the world that he has has to attend to. Um, I but there is. There is a real um, asymmetry in terms of the kind of information people are getting right now. And that, whether it's through more Biden campaign events, more louder Biden message events from the White House or aggressive paid advertising, that asymmetry has to narrow right now. Because there's this very interesting poll that our friend Peter Hamby wrote about in Puck, which shows that people are getting a ton of information about Donald Trump. And not very much information about Joe Biden. Yeah. And th- that is alarming in two fronts. One, it's allowing Trump to define the four corners of the political conversation. But also part of the Democratic argument is that people aren't paying attention to Trump. Once they realize Trump's still around and still terrible, they will change. The, the election will change. The diamond, fundamental dynamics will change. 
this is a, a, a piece of data that suggests we have more work to do than just waiting for people to wake up from their political news slumber. And again, I don't think the Biden campaign has to choose between do we go out there and have a positive message from Joe Biden and accomplishments and what he's going to do, or do we just go out there and you know hit Donald Trump every day? I think they could do a contrast message, right? And so every time they go out there, here's something Joe Biden did. Here's what he wants to do if he's going to get a second term. And by the way, here's what Donald Trump would do and the Republicans. And you just constantly drive the contrast message and uh, over the next couple of months. But yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd get out there soon to try to yeah. uh, close I think close it probably gap. begins after the State of the Union. Yeah, that's my guess, too. Ideally, that's going to be his biggest audience, uh, that the convention and then the debates. And uh, hopefully, I think in the in the State of the Union, they'll lay out an economic agenda for the second term that they'll be able to then use in the campaign trail. So that'll be the hopefully like the third the third leg of the democracy Dobbs stool, if you will. All right. Well, that's it. Anything else? Any fi- any closing thoughts? Just go, Nikki. Go get him, Nikki. Go get Tim, him, Nikki. Timmy broke my heart. You got this, Nikki. <laughs> All right. And I don't know that I can love again. <laughs> that may be it. I'm out. Congrats on the engagement. I don't know where that came from. Congrats on the. <laughs> God, Trump can't say that without laughing. He just can't help himself. Well, he just laughs. You know, it's it's. Can we just talk about the fucking Tim Scott engagement? Sure, just, yeah. just like yeah. the idea that like bonus. Like you know, nothing says to me, nothing says love to me more than proposing to your uh, girlfriend on Friday and then endorsing Donald Trump and going to a rally over the and weekend, auditioning and then for telling, a DP. and, and yeah. then telling him you love him, and then telling him you love him. <laughs> two P- I was I stole two P- His heart is big enough for two. <laughs> and, and the other thing too is it's like. I don't know Tim Lo- Tim Scott's life. None of us does, right? Fine. But man, the idea that this sort of like slapdash engagement in a photo is going to like mitigate Trump's concerns about Tim Scott being weird. Like we were talking about this for a record, like Trump Birdie got duped by a kind of uh, an evangelical right winger who made him a little uncomfortable with all the Jesus talk, but he but he swallowed it to 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 secure the right wing vote. He's not going to do that again. He tried to kill the last one. <laughs> it's not my, my favorite thing about that picture of Tim Scott getting engaged. The photo caption says, this is, you know, Tim Scott getting engaged with a photo courtesy of Tim Scott. Courtesy Tim Scott. <laughs> he was like, I really hate that this news broke, but here you go. Here's a pic. Yeah. He also like did this interview where he's like, I'm such an introvert. He's like, are you, are you such an introvert publicizing your engagement? You just ran become, for president. You just ran for president. What kind of, you're not really, you're fucking up being an introvert, Tim Scott. All right. We're out. Fucking That's asshole. That's it. Pod over. <laughs> Bye everyone. If you want to get ad-free episodes, exclusive content, and more, consider joining our Friends of the Pod subscription community at crooked.com slash friends. And if you're already doom scrolling, don't forget to follow us at Pod Save America on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube for access to full episodes, bonus content, and more. Plus, if you're as opinionated as we are, consider dropping us a review. Pod Save America is a Crooked Media production. Our show is produced by Olivia Martinez and David Toledo. Our associate producers are Saul Rubin and Farah Safari. Kira Wakim is our senior producer. Reed Sherlin is our executive producer. The show is mixed and edited by Andrew Chadwick. Jordan Cantor is our sound engineer with audio support from Kyle Seglin and Charlotte Landis. Writing support by Hallie Kiefer. Madeline Herringer is our head of news and programming. Matt DeGroat is our head of production. Andy Taft is our executive assistant. Thanks to our digital team, Elijah Cohn, Haley Jones, Mia Kelman, David Tolls, Kirill Pelaviv, and Molly Lobel. <laughs>